0: Welcome to Objections to Objectivism, the podcast that examines the critiques and problems with Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism from a moderate point of view. I'm Patrick Shalopsky. I'm neither an objectivist nor an anti-objectivist, but I appreciate some aspects of the philosophy, and I am learning more about it, so please join me in doing so. There are many who have studied objectivism far more than me. Please send in your feedback to Objections to Objectivism, at gmail.com. Correct me where I'm wrong or point me in a new direction. That's objections to objectivism at gmail.com. Now I wanted to start this first episode explaining the basics of the philosophy as I understand it. I'm not going to go back to the origination of it, uh, nor do I want to give Ayn Rand's biography. Instead, let's just jump right in. Ayn Rand started with the idea of identity, with Aristotle's law of identity, and she expressed it as A equals A, that existence is existence, that a thing is that thing, that something that we know true about reality is that way, and so from this we get the the name of the philosophy, objectivism, that reality, that existence, is objective, that it exists apart from the mind Of the thinker it doesn't matter whether I can think about something or not whether I agree with something or not whether I believe in something or not there is a reality there is something that exists apart from those who can perceive it so a equals a things exist and from existence she derives the rest of her philosophy so existence to Ayn Rand is about identity And so when I see A equals A in Ayn Rand's context, I think existence equals identity. And the highest form of existence for Ayn Rand is man. Of course, animals have an existence. Inanimate things have an existence. But man to Ayn Rand is an end in himself. And for man to exist is the point of man's life. For man to exist is his identity. And so the concept of identity and existence are wrapped together. It is right for man to do anything that enhances his existence, that furthers his existence, because that is his identity. For Ayn Rand, the purpose of man was to live and to be. A equals A. Man is an end in himself. From that idea, Ayn Rand thought about the nature of man, thought about the way men are, and came up with these virtues, these values, the chief values of objectivism. So Ayn Rand said that reason, purpose, and self-esteem are the top three values. And try to think through why she came up with this. So reason is the way to think, to have higher-order abstract thought. Rand saw that animals didn't have this capability— And so it was special about man, it was unique to man's identity, unique to man's existence, that men were able to reason, that each individual person was able to think and to choose to go into higher-order thought. Now, it's key to note that not all men reason and use this higher-order thought all the time. So Ayn Rand believed strongly that that we have to choose to reason, that we have to choose to exercise our higher-order thought. And when we do, we survive, we thrive, we enhance our life, we enhance our existence. And so for Ayn Rand, that is the highest value, to enhance our existence. That is consistent with our identity, and that is a good thing. And so the other two values she presented, the, the next is purpose. By using our reason, we can achieve a purpose. We can use our high-order abstract thought to accomplish things, whether it is to survive till tomorrow, to find food, to find shelter or clothing, or anything else, to uh, have any ambition in life, to have a career, to formulate philosophical thoughts, to do anything else that we try to do. We have purpose in life. Purpose is what we can achieve by thinking. And finally, Ayn Rand's third cardinal value is self-esteem. The mental condition needed to achieve it. So if we achieve our purposes, we have self-esteem. We see, hey, I can do this, therefore I should and I ought to and it would be good for me. And to have a general positive outlook on one's ambition and one's ability to reason is self-esteem. And it is required for us to choose to exercise reason to achieve those purposes. So for Rand, reason purpose, and self-esteem all work together to enhance men's life, to enhance uh, an individual's identity in his or her existence. So for Rand, man, that is uh, a person, I'm going to keep using the word man because Rand used the, the term man to refer to a individual, a person. Man is an end in himself. It is not Uh, that man exists for other purposes, the purposes of God, or the purposes of uh, his fellow men, other people, or all of society, or the collective. Because man is an end in himself, according to Rand, the rational self-interest is the highest motive a man can have. For me to rationally promote my self-interest, for me to avoid self-sacrifice, to avoid uh, pure altruism, to think of myself, but rationally, is the greatest virtue. And thus, anything that rips me away from that, such as self-sacrifice and pure altruism, where I'm doing something not for me, but for someone else, or for the good of many others, that is of greatest vice to Ayn Rand. And here's where we begin to Um, see the objections creep up. A lot of people object to this and we'll get into that in future episodes. Because applying my thinking is the way to survival, to achieving my purposes, to enhancing my life, then I must act in my own rational self-interest. And the key word here is rational. It's not just do whatever you want. It's do whatever enhances your self-interest, your life, your identity. It's do whatever makes not makes you happy in the immediate short term, but increases your existence, that, that enhances your life, your identity. These are all means to achieving individual happiness. Everyone wants happiness. Rand asserted that as, as obvious. But what does happiness mean to us? So for Rand, happiness meant achieving our values. If we have rational self-interest, if I hold these the values that are derived from my existence, from my identity, it will bring about joy because I'm living in accordance with my values, I'm living in, in something that's not contradictory, and I'm living in the real world. I'm living an objective, true, good life. So if I'm living in accordance with my values and they're non-contradictory and they match up with reality, they're not um, they're not false, and they are not merely subjectively true, but objectively true, then I should have a life of increasing joy and happiness. And so for Rand, reason, rational self-interest, achieving purpose, and having self-esteem to do so is the heart of her philosophy. And so I hope this explains a little bit about how objectivism is based on first principles and reason. And not on pragmatics, not on politics, not on social theories, uh, but on first principles. And whether you agree with not with these first principles and whether you agree with the chain of logic that brought us here, this is what Rand thought. And I think the objections to this is what I hope to explore in the rest of this podcast. Rand summarized her philosophy in a short uh, two or three minute statement that you can look up online, but then she even summarized it even shorter with the final words of John Galt in his speech in Part 3 of Atlas Shrugged, where he said, I will not live for the sake of another man, nor ask another man to live for mine. It's a highly moral philosophy. There are many aspects of morality that Rand explores in her, in her books and in her articles. Uh, but let me go through a little bit of the consequences. Here are some of the consequences that come out of objectivism. Rand advocates uh, laissez-faire economics, uh, economics of equal traders. Rand advocates the non-aggression principle, so that says that no one should initiate force against another. Uh, You can see how those two go hand in hand, because if I'm equally trading with you and, and the economics is always free and voluntary, if we agree, then I'm not forcing you to give me anything of yours, nor are you forcing me to give anything to you. A consequence of objectivism is, I would say, is a minarchist government. Rand advocated government that exists to protect our rights, mostly the rights derived from objectivism, that, that uh, we must exist and we must not be forced to do other things that we don't wish that we can be free to pursue our rational self-interest. Uh, she advocated government to settle disputes, such as lawsuits, um, and to pr- protect from aggression, which included um, military defense, and also, courts to settle both civil lawsuits and criminal uh, behaviors. When I when I initiate force against you, I can be held accountable by the law administered by the government. So she also believed that there would be a pyramid of ability. Now, what does this mean? A pyramid of ability is is saying that there are many people of different abilities in in the world, and we should never expect that all would have the ability to do everything we want. That Even that all would have the ability to reason, to have a purpose, and to have enough self-esteem to achieve that purpose. Uh, There are many who don't have the ability to reason very well. There are many who have different degrees of that. And so Rand acknowledges that, and there would be a place for everyone, as long as nothing is done by force, as long as all are free to uh, engage in whatever economics they feel to. And we can get more into that in future episodes. Rand had a somewhat different view of love than is common today. She said that love was for those who are worthy of love, that we should only love those who are worthy of that love. That if someone has the virtues and holds the values that we find lovely, then we may choose to love them, or we may um want to love them. But however, those who are not worthy of love, those who have no redeeming attributes, have no good qualities, um, who have a little, little ability to reason, have no purpose, have poor self-esteem, um, those who exhibit no virtues are not worthy of love and should not be loved by others. So you see even her view of love is somewhat objective. Rand valued rationality, independence, integrity, pride, honesty, justice, productiveness, Now these these virtues that uh, are are common to most anyone, most people like these things, think they are good, uh, but these virtues flow right out of her idea that existence and identity is paramount and that anything that enhances that identity is good as long as it does not disturb the existence or identity of others. So many aspects of traditional morality, of traditional virtues are encompassed by these, and so they would still be of value in objectivism in an objectivist mindset. Rand also believed that thinking causes emotions and primarily thinking influences our emotions rather than the other way around. So decision making is is largely not based on emotion, but emotions were very real to Rand. They were not to be repressed. Instead, we are to control ourselves and to bring about changes in our emotions from our thinking. Rand believed that the morality of this day is self-sacrifice. Any adherent of this morality, in Rand's view, is a slave in that if we self-sacrifice, we are subverting our existence, our own life, and giving that up for the supposed good of others. Those others who now take advantage of our life are, in effect, our masters. Now, she acknowledged that many people claim to live like this, but in actuality they live for their own self-interest much of the time. And so thus the morality of the day, this idea of self-sacrifice and altruism being a paramount virtue, makes most into hypocrites. We claim to live for others, but then we seek ways to live for ourselves, that is to live according to our nature, according to objectivism, according to the way we want to live the the burning desire in us is to perpetuate our own existence, to enhance our own life. And so when we adopted a, a morality that's contrary to that, we make ourselves into hypocrites. Giving into this morality results in many refusing to think for themselves, thus giving up their identity, their life. And for Rand, we refuse to think for ourselves when we start doing what others want us to do exclusively without regard for our own rational self-interest. So for Rand, the most powerful are brutes, those who exploit the self-sacrifice of others by force for their own benefit, plunderers who exploit the self-sacrifice of others for their own idea of what benefits still others, and moochers who exploit self-sacrifice of others to avoid taking responsibility for themselves. So those who sacrifice most become a slave to all, and those with the most need become the master of all in a downward spiral of less productivity and less happiness and more slavery. So I hope that gives you an idea of the basics of objectivism as I understand it. That's the way I understand it. Now there may be some things about objectivism that you think I'd missed. If there are, please let me know at Objections to Objectivism at gmail.com. And as I was explaining those, you probably thought of things, well that's not right, or I don't think I don't like that at all. Those are the objections that this podcast is going to get into, so please send those in as well. And we'll take those ideas you send in and form future episodes. Don't know how long this is going to go. It's kind of an experiment, so we'll see how it is. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on Objections to objectivism.